Quick, come up with something funny to say. Hello? Yo. Bork. Oh, that's really cool. Somehow I think you're lying. Uh-huh. Oh, fail. Oh. Ah! Bad Philosophy, episode 72, recorded on August 30th, 2010. Rule of some number around 70. Hello everyone, welcome and one to Bad Philosophy, episode 72. That means 72 times that we have upset the balance of reality one rapid trail at a time. Well, we're going to do it again for you here, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, wow, deja vu. Uh, this week is going to be exactly <laughs> like last week. Uh, well, almost. Uh, I'm not drinking Is it proof that we've run out of ideas? Is that no, what it is? No, no, Kevin, it is proof <laughs> that we have stumbled upon the right ideas, finally. Or a right idea, at or, least for this. Or the easiest way to make a show on short notice. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, so, you know, funny story, I uh, was just driving back from Crop and God this evening, and, uh, you know, I decided, well, finally, uh, after all this time that we haven't had a BF... It needed to happen. So I texted Kevin. I was like, hey, man, do you want to do BF? And he was like, yeah, sure. Uh, so I was like, hey, cool. Can you look up some articles? Uh, little did he know that I had no intention of looking up any articles myself and was relying on him completely. <laughs> and, of course, he did a bang-up job. We've got some great articles for you today, and we're going to talk about them. Just me and Kevin and Kevin's beer. <laughs> it's not a beer. It is a oh. 40 of malt liquor. Oh, Technically, okay. it's... Old English 800. Mm. Because um, I had $3 in cash, and the 40 of Old English is $2.75. And you wanted to get moment. drunk! <laughs> I don't want really to get drunk off of 40. But it takes a little bit more than that. No, but, okay. Uh, well, I, I say that I'm because... I'm not legal to drive, but okay. I'm sitting in my apartment, so that's okay. Well, we, we don't plan on driving anywhere in this podcast. Nope. Uh, and, and actually, the <laughs> that reminds me. Um, the, the, uh, it'll get you drunk thing. We had Dave Chappelle come into the Apple store <laughs> last week. Really? Uh, like the Dave Chappelle? Like the Dave Chappelle. Uh, he was Ooh. getting he was getting a case for his iPhone 4. And uh, he'd gotten it at the... Uh, no, no, he was actually getting a, no. uh, one of the most expensive ones in the store. Uh, oh, he which, Yeah. Um, clearly, clearly uh, both hungover and high. But Dave Chappelle... <laughs> Uh, it was pretty cool, and so we all got pictures with him. I didn't actually, because I'm a lamer, and uh, I'm not really a big fan of Dave Chappelle, but I was kind of like, hey, it's Dave Chappelle, so I took yeah, the pictures. Yeah, Dave Chappelle, so. Yeah, I took the pictures, and then everybody else got to smile with him, and, and he just sort of stood there and looked really high. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, 40s, he'll get you drunk. Anyways, uh... <laughs> We're going to talk about something. Oh, yeah. Uh, so let's start out just here with this this wonderful off-the-wall story from, from io9. Kevin, do you want to introduce this one? Okay. Okay, so the title of the article is uh, Ghost Shark 2 Urban Jaws is the Ultimate Shark Exploitation Flick. Um, which is hard to beat as far as introductions go. But basically, uh, there's a movie being made in New Zealand, question mark, <laughs> uh, called Ghost Shark 2. Um, it is actually being now, made, uh, from what I understand in the article. Yeah, uh, and that's, that's what I can tell. The filmmakers uh, Andrew Todd and Johnny Hall. In case you're wondering, if, if you're saying to yourself quietly, deep in the pit of your soul, why, oh why, haven't I seen Ghost Shark 1? Which is a valid <laughs> question, because I ask myself the same thing. It's because Ghost Shark 1 doesn't exist. Ghost is not a movie. Uh, these two guys, which Stephen mentioned already, their names, decided to start with the sequel and work backwards, maybe? I don't know if there's ever going to be a Ghost yeah, Shark 1. Why, why should there be? I mean... I don't know. I, I, I think Ghost Shark 1 could be useful. Could it, like a prequel? I'm, like you build the prequel into your series? <laughs> you can't have Troll 2, one of the worst films of all time, without Troll. Hmm. So, I'm just going to leave that there. Although, apparently you can have Ghost Shark 2 without Ghost Shark 1. Well, I mean, um, we, we had Episode 4 without Episodes 1, 2, or 3. Thank you, George yes, Lucas. Yes, it wasn't billed as Episode 4 at the time. At the time, it was just Star Wars. 
Yeah, it wasn't built that way, but it, it definitely was in the uh, the opening titles. I don't know. I wasn't alive when that came out, which makes me seem. Yeah, it was totally. It totally said episode four in the uh, in the opening titles. So. Well, so I know it does now, but I think I was I, I was under the impression they might have changed that. Anyway, uh, no, I, well, that, uh, whatever. We'll look, we'll look it anyway, up on Wikipedia. Shark Two: Urban Jaws, um, and there's a trailer for it. So when you go click the link on the show notes, be sure to watch the trailer. And it's it's uh, hilarious. <laughs> it's exactly what it sounds like. Now, yeah. the thing about a ghost shark that makes it extra dangerous, above and beyond your regular everyday shark, is the fact that the ghost shark can travel through any water-based medium, be it ice or steam from your iron. And this, of course, means that the ghost shark can attack anywhere and everywhere. Um, And, as he very well does, according to this preview, he attacks in the middle of a much of a large urban city, as opposed to the beach, where you would expect a shark, because he's smarter than you. Mm. That's that's just incredibly hilarious, but also freaky. I mean, there's, there's nothing more to it, but I think... Ghost Shark 2 Urban Jaws could be amazing, and I certainly hope it is. Hmm. It could be terrible, which would also be good, because then you could laugh at it a la Troll 2 or The Room, um, which if you haven't seen, Stephen, you need to check out, because it's uh, terrible. Yeah, I totally haven't, either of those, so looks like I have some cinema on my plate. So I can speak to that, but The Room is hideous. Okay. Uh, so it could be good, which would be awesome. It could be bad, which would also be awesome. But I'm I'm afraid the worst possible thing that could happen with this movie would be mediocre at best. Oh yeah. And there's a lot of mediocre movies that come out that have this sort of thing going on. If you want to proof, watch the Sci-Fi Channel on Saturdays because I love Sci-Fi Channel original movies mm. when they're either good or terrible. But occasionally, they put out mediocre films that are just boring, and it makes me sad inside. So, I hope Ghost Shark 2 Urban Jaws is either awesome or terrible. Either way, go see it, or, I don't know, buy it. Is this going to be a straight-to-DVD? I hope so. I don't know. Because otherwise, I don't think we're going to be seeing it here in the U.S. (laughs) Heck, Rana's 3D got a major release. Yeah. And uh, it uh, apparently is pretty good for um, gore. For what it is. Like. <laughs> I want to see it. And the, and the worst part about it is, is Piranhas 3D is just the sort of movie that would make me break my ban on 3D movies. Because mm-hmm. I've decided that 3D movies aren't any better than 2D movies. And because I saw Toy Story 3 in 3D. And I don't think the 3D helped or hurt it in any way, shape, or form. It was, I don't no, think... No, it was just kind of there. ...different flip. Yeah. And so I've kind of decided the movies that best benefit from 3D are the ones that actually use it in a cheap, terrible manner. Um, like you know, I, I, think, I think we have stumbled upon why they made it Ghost Shark 2, because if it does well, they can immediately make Ghost Shark 3D. Well, there's that. I guess yeah. they could jump straight to that. They don't have to deal dilly dally around with the second installment because they've exactly. already got the second installment done. They can just they can just go straight into the third dimension. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. Makes sense to me. Yep. All right. Next story: The internet may phase out printed Oxford Dictionary. Uh, now, this is a bit of a long article, so we're just going to give you all the cliff notes on this. But uh, it's, it's essentially one of those. You know, hey, the dictionary, like the printed giant dictionary that... Uh, the dictionary. Yeah, the dictionary that the Oxford Capital University Press Capital puts D. out. <laughs> is, uh, it may be going the way of the dodo. Apparently, it costs a lot for them to make it and distribute it, and uh, it costs a lot for somebody to buy it. Um, apparently, in, I didn't even know this, in 1989, the 20-volume, 750-pound Oxford English Dictionary sold for... $1,100 and they only sold 30,000 sets. I don't know. They sold 30,000 of those? They sold 30,000 of 30, them. 30,000. That's like every library in the English speaking world, which plus two guys who got conned into it by traveling salesmen. 
which if you're counting is is just over thirty million dollars. Uh, so yeah, thirty million dollars in 1989. Yeah, that's I mean that's a business. <laughs> so and, I guess that's why they made it a business. Well, and they've been in business I would assume for for quite a while. They say it's been in print since uh, oh gosh. 126 years, yeah. So, uh, a while they've been doing this, and uh, it's and it's gotten huge. Uh, apparently, now has 291,000 entries, plus 2.4 million quotations as sources. Uh, that's pretty big, and uh, that's impressive. Probably that too big. Might to print. have all of the words. It it very well might. Uh, but basically, what they're saying is it's uh, it's cheaper for them and more effective to to just maintain their online dictionary, which is itself a two hundred ninety five dollar a year subscription just for the online version. And so I'm as, only saving like nine hundred dollars a year. Uh, I guess that's a yeah. I mean, taking it into account inflation, I guess. But also, you're you know you're getting the things like uh, the word woot or blog, you know, get added immediately and. Uh, your your printed dictionary does not feel out of date as the internet chugs ever so uh, confidently into the future, <laughs> creating new terms yeah. as it goes. Uh, you know this makes sense. I, I'm just I'm just going to come right out and say I, printed books really should go the way of the dodo. I mean, granted, there are always going to be those people who are like, I want to feel the pages, I want to smell the paper, and you know, I just want something I solid. Agree. But because I, I don't know that printed books are going to go away. As a mainstream uh, content distribution should. source, yes. Maybe it's a mainstream. Yeah. As, as a reference source, I can agree. I can see the dictionary going away. Because when I want to look up a word, I go to dictionary.com. Or heck, I just type it into Google and see that Google makes sure I spell it right. Because Google's better at spelling than I am. Yeah. And, and so for reference works like this, and we've already seen... Encyclopedias get taken over by Wikipedia, which is good or bad depending on your viewpoint. But well, it's actually a similar situation, right? I mean, uh, Wikipedia it's is similar. Is, yeah, it's constantly updated, and uh, in in many cases, I think someone did a study. They found that Wikipedia actually has fewer inaccuracies uh, per article or or number of articles uh, than the uh, Britannica, than the Encyclopedia Britannica. So you know, you can, and and I, I think that's that makes perfect sense. You know, you got people constantly doing error checking rather than you know one or two authors uh, or editors going over it each article. Uh, you've got yeah. millions essentially, uh, depending on the article. <laughs> but it's it's just a, a much more um, effective means of, of getting information down. Now, here I, one thing I wanted to ask you, Kevin. It's it's kind sure. of an interesting conundrum. Um, because what wasn't in the past, like when, when books were first being made, this before printing press, maybe early printing press days, uh, you know, to put something down in a book was like you were, you were almost setting it in stone. You know, it was a really important thing. You know, only the really important stuff went into books. Uh, and, and certainly it, it seems like we're kind of going that way, right? Like we're going once again to that point where, all right, well, all, all the kind of ephemeral stuff, uh, it, it can just kind of live on the internet and uh, in other medium, and then the you know the history, the the really important things will, will actually print. Uh, so we've kind of come full circle in that regard. Well, see, I don't know. I just I disagree with this. Um, really, I, I think that may be the way we're going, but I don't know if it's the way we should be going, because I think the really important things are the things that we should make digital first. Hmm. Um, it's going to be the rare things that get digitized last. For example and this is something that came up in the course of my studies, there's a rare copy, like possibly the only manuscript that exists, of a play called Dread, based on the book by Harriet Beecher Stowe, in the British Library. Oh, wow. And um, it's, it's, it's a, it was a play that came out in 1856. It's really old. There's probably one copy of it left. But that's in my opinion, it's the sort of thing we should be digitizing right now before all of the books that there are millions of copies of. Harry Potter yeah. doesn't need to be digitized right away. Because if I lose my copy of Harry Potter, the book, I can go buy another one or 300 of them. <laughs> That's um, a good point. And, and I mean, whereas, certainly there's some. The rare stuff is the stuff that we need to preserve. And once you make something digital, 
it is a thousand times easier to preserve because you put it up on a website and say, please download a copy of this, and, and copyright's a different argument here, but you say, you know, for preservation purposes, we're trying to get as many people to copy this as possible. So in case our server goes down and we lose it, Somebody there's 999 other copies of it out there yeah. that can get back. But here's the thing, I mean, even even with all those digital copies, they're still all digital, and they're relying on the internet, which is kind of an ephemeral structure. It's, it's, it has some weak points, you know, it's, it's not this, this really resilient network that, that can stand up to uh, a global catastrophe. And, you know, say that, that the complete and total sum of, of data gets destroyed uh, for some reason, we don't really well, you have know, any and, sort of a, a physical backup of, of some of those things then. Um, and, those are, and physical backups are good, but you know what can stand up? The internet may not be able to stand up to, you know, infinite whatever, attacks, <laughs> catastrophe. I don't Cyber know. terrorism. <laughs> Cyber terrorism. Basically the plot of Live Free or Die Hard. Yeah. <laughs> and not in terms of like art, but in terms of it's really, really, really fun to watch. But one computer probably can. One computer can... I have a thumb drive that has the complete works of William Shakespeare on it. Yeah. It's sitting in a drawer somewhere in my apartment. I'm not even excuse me, entirely sure where. So if one in a thousand people in the world has a thumb drive with the complete works of William Shakespeare on it, the chances are better of, even if the internet gets destroyed, even if the world's greatest hacker gets on and deletes all the internets, these things can still be preserved. Yeah, Whereas to a certain one extent, one well-placed I mean, fire can take out the entire library at Alexandria. Yeah, I was, I was figuring you would probably go for that analogy eventually. <laughs> uh, but then again, one, one well-placed EMP could... Or many well-placed EMPs could take out many the vast majority of stored data. Is it becomes harder once you decentralize? Decentralize. Yeah. Uh, you know, perfect, good argument to make. Uh, Oxford, more power to him. You know, keeping keeping the words updating faster. We're all in favor of that. But I still think it would be a good idea for them to print a complete dictionary every maybe ten years. Uh, I think that that'd be a good time span to see a, a big difference and. And then you do have that paper copy somewhere, but so, you know, printing it and selling it. Finally, want to buy it? <laughs> what's it going to be like? Uh, like 150 volumes, ten thousand, twelve thousand dollars <laughs> to buy it. <laughs> That's just for Richie to show off with. Yeah, it's like, look at this. I have this room for the Oxford English Dictionary. <laughs> that would be kind of fun. Yeah. Did you want to look up a word? You want to look up all the words? I have them in this <laughs> I have room. Them. That's still it's kind of something cool, and I, I guess that's the the, uh, the book <laughs> argument too, right? As you can say, like I have this thing in front of me that is the complete all works of Shakespeare, of the words. <laughs> or all of the words. Alrighty. Well, actually, the, you want the to make up words, it would be in there eventually, <laughs> or immediately if you're using the internet version. Using anyway. The internet. So speaking of, of copying stuff, uh, our next story has to deal with the Pirate Bay, that oh-so-infamous uh, torrent search engine. Uh, that File-sharing website. File-sharing website. Those, those bastards in Sweden. Uh, yeah, basically these guys, if you don't know the story, you've obviously been living under an 8-bit rock for the last 10 years, but... Uh, the Pirate Bay essentially has come up under some fire recently from uh, from the well, United the States. Well, the guys are going to jail. Yeah, from the Swedish government. Well, that's, you yeah. know, I guess the most effective kind of fire you can have then. Uh, they were convicted, <laughs> convicted of, uh, of criminal charges of, you know, running a uh, file-sharing network. Uh, let's see, the article says um, convicted to one year in jail and to pay damages of around $4 million for having, quote, assisted in making copyrighted content available. So, essentially, file sharing. Yeah, they, they did. Um, I would call creating a very efficient and comprehensive search engine assisting. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's pretty straightforward. If you want to steal something digitally that's like a movie or a book or a video game, 
you can go to the pirate bay and it's probably on there. Yeah. So I mean, it, they were yes, essentially they did exactly what they were accused of. Right. They were essentially printing up. Uh, I guess the the real world analogy would be printing up uh, like. Uh, maps, sort of like the Hollywood maps to the stars, but maps to all of the unguarded convenience stores in your town. <laughs> That's perhaps, a fun analogy. Perhaps along with instructions on, on how to effectively hold one up without how to being arrested. Best steal everything you can from a nearby convenience store. Right. <laughs> best unguarded libraries in Georgetown, Texas. <laughs> uh, yeah. So obviously. Some analogy. Yeah. So, so, you know, when you put it in those terms, okay, obviously these guys are criminals, but they have <laughs> a following on the internet, and, uh, you know, they, they kind of painted themselves, and, and then people kept up the, uh, the cause, I guess, painted themselves as underdogs, and, you know, they got the, the sympathy vote from a lot of folks, including probably the people who were using the Pirate Bay quite a bit. Uh, probably. Very, very sympathetic, and... You know, oh, it's all about freedom, man, and you know, you can't stop the signal. And it's also about not paying for things I want. <laughs> right. Uh, so they they have this, this thing. They wanted to buy their own island and create a country without copyright laws, and that didn't go through. And and now somebody's yeah. making a documentary about them. And I mean, it's essentially a, an ass kissing documentary. Uh, but I'm sure yeah. they're looking for uh, they're looking for money on Kickstarter. <laughs> And this this little video is, is essentially a uh, a call for for money to help with the project. And apparently they are twenty two thousand dollars out of twenty five thousand dollars on their way to to actually making it. So that's pretty impressive. But yeah, it means a lot of people out there will put money down for piracy, <laughs> but they won't put money down for content. <laughs> I'm kind of curious what. The piracy rates on this documentary will be uh, once the movie high. comes out. Uh, and, well, yeah. I'm sure it will be. In um, fact, they, they just, might just distribute it for free, since they're essentially getting free money. <laughs> well, no, but see, the thing is, if you look on the... Um, I don't know how aware you are how Kickstarter works, but basically, depending on how much you donate, you get, like, awards or prizes or, you hmm. know, um, things for helping, you know just as a way of saying thank you. But... What what kind of awards? I mean, are we talking coupons, or...? Um, well, it's usually at least one level... If they're trying to produce something, like a book, at least one level will give you a copy of the book. Okay. Um, for example, I just helped the um, Reading with Pictures anthology to get put together, um, which is something I much greater support than, than Pirate Bay. Um, Reading with Pictures is an organization trying to get comic books into schools to prove that they can be useful educational tools. Hmm. Um, and they created a book called Reading with Pictures. That's a bunch of comic books about comic books and about cool things. But I, I helped back that project on Kickstarter. And because I gave them like $15 or whatever, I got a copy of the book. And so with, with the Kickstarter donations, oh, they have passed their goal of $25,000 I just checked. Oh, nice. Um, $26,973, and they have 27 days left. So, uh, great. So they're on their way, then. Yeah, certainly. Um, but, you know, 10 bucks you get a link to the finished documentary. So you have to pay 10 bucks to get that link, um, and at 25 you get the actual DVD. And so you, they, they're asking, you don't get a copy of this unless you pay for it, or unless you steal it from the Pirate Bay when it eventually comes out. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'll be curious to see, like, how close they stick to that once, you know, their movie's up on the piracy thing. And yeah. to be fair, <laughs> I think I think piracy is wrong. I'm going to say that. But I also think there is a point in looking at copyright laws and how they're working and trying to figure out a better way. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. We're, we're not saying that, that maybe the, the guys at the Pirate Bay are completely in the wrong for standing up against these uh, overbearing, I would say, and, and overzealous um, copyright hounds. But, mm-hmm. I mean, they are doing something criminal. Let, let's not beat around the bush here. And, and I, I would say, even on the other side of the coin, the, the copyright protectors are doing something criminal as well by restricting flow of information and 
and maybe by, by not providing a, a flexible enough system for, for distributing these works and, and making it easy to do things like we were talking about earlier, like getting just good information out there. Uh, because certainly mm-hmm. not everything on the Pirate Bay was uh, copyrighted material. Um, some of it was uh, GNU Public License, some of it was Creative yeah. Commons, some of it was, was even, uh, you know, I saw Gutenberg stuff on there. Um, oh, people yeah. were, were distributing content via Pirate Bay because it was more efficient that way. BitTorrent is a very efficient way to get many copies of something to many people. It is. Uh, and, and there are people out there who who legally and freely distributed things via BitTorrent. Right. Um, for example, I don't know if you're familiar with the Yes Men. They're yeah. um, either left-wing pair of guys that pull pranks on the media. Um, they basically pretend to be important people that they're not. Um, basically, it's like Borat, but with an even stronger political message. <laughs> um, and with their most recent film, um, they're being held up from releasing it in the courts because of some things. And so they said, well, we're going to give it away for free on the Pirate Bay of all places because we want people to watch it. We want people to see our film. Um, And so that's completely legal from the perspective of what they're doing. They own the copyright. They can do that. And that if the Pirate Bay were ever to be shut down, I'm not saying Bitcoin would go away because of it, but that would be one legal use of it that was cut off in the balance of trying to, you know, write things for copyright. Yeah, and it just goes to show that, you know, in, in the um, in the process of trying to, to do some good, uh, you can actually do some do some harm as well. And uh, sometimes, you know, the the consequences, you know, you have to weigh one against the other. And uh, I don't know, it, it's, uh, it's a tough moral conundrum. And actually, we, we have uh, another story here coming up that, uh, that will deal with that in a little bit more detail. But first... Do we, Stephen? Yes. But first, <laughs> let's talk about how long it takes to eat lunch. Uh, so, Kevin, in a typical day, how, how long do you usually spend eating lunch? Um, depends on what I'm eating for lunch, in all honesty. Okay. Um, if I grab something at McDonald's, you know, uh, uh, McDouble with no onions, maybe a small fry and a drink, I could probably eat lunch in about 15 minutes. Now, when I say that, that doesn't include the time of me going to McDonald's and getting the food, taking it back to my office and eating it. That's just the time of me eating it. Probably takes 15, 20 minutes if I'm, you know, not paying attention. Okay. And uh, I have set amounts of time that I get to eat lunch at, at work at the Apple store, uh, either sure. half an hour or an hour. Um, I think, you know, usually an, an hour is pretty typical for most uh, working places nowadays. Well, that's, that's where the terminology came from, of lunch hour. Yeah, lunch hour. Because it, you got an hour for your lunch. And uh, at college, it, it varied, uh, I mean, because our, our class periods were basically uh, our lunch periods, and, and you would schedule a, uh, you know, a a class period open for for lunch, and it would either be 15 minutes or uh, or an hour and 20 minutes. So you know, somewhere around an hour is is a pretty typical yeah. amount of time to uh, to sit down and have lunch. That gives you time to you know grab a, grab something to eat, actually eat it, maybe for meeting with friends, you know, talk to them for a little bit, get some conversation, and yeah, before moving some, on to your next thing. Some, some time to decompress, and then and then go back to uh, to whatever hell you uh, you came from. Uh, but unfortunately. We do not recognize this this very simple and uh, almost universal rule in uh, in our elementary schools. In fact, it should shock you to discover that, and it sh- certainly shocked me a little bit, that uh, kids get about 14 to 20 minutes to have lunch. And uh, I think they were analyzing the uh, third grade here, third and fourth grades. And uh, this is a trend in public schools nowadays, that uh, lunches are becoming shorter and shorter. Uh, kids basically, <laughs> by the time they, they get in line and get their food, their lunch period is over. <laughs> and, uh, and this is, uh, I would say, a, a complete travesty for a number of reasons. This article goes into a lot of detail about it. Uh, just, you know, it, it's unhealthy for kids to be eating this quickly. They, they will skip a lot of their food, you know, they'll trash it. Um, you know, they'll just take a drink of their milk and throw it away, so it generates an incredible amount of waste. That's terrible. And, yeah, it, it just, uh, 
kids. Overall, it's a bad thing. Uh, but school districts are, are making the excuse that, oh, well, you know, we've got budget cuts and we're trying to expand the number of classes we've got, so uh, yeah, something's got to go. If we, if we add more courses, we've got to take away something. And what they're taking away is lunchtime. So one school, I think, offers 30 minutes for lunch, but they're atypical. Uh, another one is, is split between 25 minutes for lunch and 25 for recess, but again, these are atypical. The average uh, schools are doing about but 15 25 20 minutes, minutes for lunch and 25 minutes for recess, meaning during that 25 minutes of recess, when they're supposed to be kids, you know, supposed to be out and playing around, they can't because they don't have the energy because they didn't have enough time to eat lunch. Right. Uh, and a lot of uh, parents are just up in arms about this and, and didn't even know about it until their kids started mentioning it to them, uh, you know, yeah. without really taking any action. Uh, and yeah, I, I think just going off of that, first off, the whole idea of having recess after lunch is a stupid idea, because uh, you, should, you should have the kids play around, you know, get hungry, and then go inside and eat. Like, and then but give them more than done, 15 minutes to eat. Too. Right. Um, the idea of having them eat a bunch a of food. Period. <laughs> yeah, like, because, you know, they eat a bunch of food, they go outside, they run around, they get cramps, and then they hate exercising, and, <laughs> and they can get fat. Uh, obviously, this is horrible. So nothing problem we have in, in schools nowadays. Yes, that's the problem we have there, there, Kevin. Um, and you know, one par parent says something very, uh, very poignant that uh, lunch period should be lunch, not not a snack. And 15 minutes is is a break. It's a snack. It's not it's not lunch. You know, we get 15 minute yeah. break times in yeah. addition to our lunch period at, at work. Yeah, uh, because you just you can't do anything in fifteen minutes. Uh, it's barely enough. I think enough there's a law about that. In fact, I think there are, are work laws saying that you have to have you know a certain number of fifteen minute breaks plus your lunch time. Yes, and actually, a lot From of parents are, are pushing for for there to be uh, legislation enacted, at least among the school boards, uh, for certain districts to mandate at least a, a thirty minute minimum uh, for lunch period. Uh, now, some schools actually have lunch and recess combined into one 30-minute period, uh, so the, the kids basically have to choose. Do they want to go outside and exercise, or do they want to eat? <laughs> Which, I mean, talk about making students fat. Yeah. It's like you can either exercise or you can eat. Which I, I think is horrible, because for a lot of these kids, uh, by, another by thing they were mentioning in here... I'm going to take eat because I get hungry. Yeah. Well, and for a lot of these kids, it's their only meal. Uh, they're, you know, coming from low-income families, they're on uh, food stamps, they're on free Perfect. lunch programs. So if they, if they have 15 minutes to eat one meal that day, they have to basically cram everything into that 15 minutes of eating, and it just... It's, it's horrible for your body, they're not getting the nutrition that they need. It's just bad all around. It makes for, for bad grades and, uh, and, and poor students. So I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, that the school districts will, will realize the error of their ways and, uh, and revise this policy because, honestly, this is, this is almost worse than uh, the, the testing procedures and the, the underpaid teachers. Underfed kids... Yeah. Just you know, That's you're not. They're not going to be able to do anything. <laughs> For, forget all you can put all the measures you want on top of that, but it's Maslow's hierarchy, right? If you don't have, <laughs> if you don't have sustenance, <laughs> right? It's let's let's focus on the, the lower levels. But I remember having more than twenty minutes to eat lunch when I was in school, and of course yeah. I'm a sixth grade dropout, so I, that was years ago. But <laughs> I mean, even when I was teaching schools. We had about an hour to eat lunch. Yeah, high school it's um, much different. Uh, I think high schools and, and, and junior highs are generally better about this, having having 45-minute, 15-minute lunch periods. Elementary kids don't even have different periods they have to go to. They have one class all day long. Yeah. Do they, do they not? Has that changed? I mean, uh, it's, it's a little bit. It, it depends yeah. on the school. Some schools do it that way. Okay. Some some have it where they, they actually think, do have periods. I think I had one year in elementary school where we went to a different teacher for math and science, so we did it for everything else. Uh huh. But even then, um, like basically, it was just the two classes would switch, like for a couple hours every day. But they're with the same teacher almost all day long, 
Like, if I was one of those teachers, I would give my kids time to eat in the classroom. I'd say, bring your lunch from the cafeteria back to my class for the next 30 minutes, and we're going to let up. you eat. Yeah. I, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big injustice, and I, I really hope that the school districts make... Uh, Make some big changes, because that's that's just horrible. I mean, that shouldn't be happening, and it, it really does undermine everything in the education system if the let kids aren't getting eat. Let our kids eat. <laughs> I think we have a uh, a new Westboro Baptist protest. God hates fifteen minute lunches. <laughs> hey, no, it's, it starts with F. Baptist Church. That's an actually rational argument. Oh, I'm sorry. So they probably wouldn't be the best standard bearers for it, would they? Probably not. Yeah, it would give people the wrong impression. Oh, speaking of rational arguments, <laughs> uh, did you happen to watch the Glenn Beck thing on Saturday? No. I, okay, I good. I crazy because, first of all, Glenn Beck claimed he didn't know it was the anniversary of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. giving his I Have a Dream speech. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> White House steps. And as as important, quote unquote, a man is, or as, as famous as a man like Glenn Beck is, and famous is a better word than important. Yes. I can't believe that somebody didn't say, hey, Glenn, you know that date you had your big march on uh, Washington, D.C. planned? It just so happens to match the date of another famous march. <laughs> In fact, one of the, pretty much the famous march on Washington. <laughs> Maybe you haven't heard of it, but yeah. let, me give, let me just fill you in briefly. It, but, was, um, uh, it was apparently pretty ridiculous. I mean, he, he actually, so he ended up just milking the MLK thing for all it was worth. And, uh, of course he, had, he did. He yeah. had some... Oh, he, he had some kin, and he said, I too have a dream, and all this other stuff, and it was... It was pretty ridiculous. I, I actually didn't watch it either. I watched the uh, the play-by-play, as it were, from uh, from yeah. Torgo's Pizza, from Eric of uh, of Rift Tracks, and uh, that was pretty hilarious because it looked like he was just suffering. And, and uh, I, I actually added him once. I was like, "Dude, why are you doing this?" And he basically told me, uh, "You know, come on, I have to build up a tolerance for for pain and irrationality <laughs> if I expect to watch these horrible movies." <laughs> I mean, like I. I myself am a relatively conservative person on the political spectrum. I mean, yeah, I'm a libertarian, so it kind of I'm conservative on certain things and not on other things. Yeah, but I'll forgive but you. I mean, that drives me crazy. It's because he's he is crazy, Kevin. That's why. <laughs> I mean, or he's he's brilliant, but he's also a megalomaniac. He is one of the world's best performers. Excuse me, oh, performance yeah. artists since Andy Kaufman. Hmm. Because he is a character pretty much all the time, at least all the time that he's in public, uh, and it's, it's it saddens amazing. me that uh, that more people don't realize that. So, we we do have one. Speaking of, of injustice and irrationality and, and other things, we do have one final article to wrap up the show with. Transitions. <laughs> hey, I am. I've actually had some good segues today. I had to throw in a complete no, you non sequitur. You have. You have. You know, I just had to balance it out. You know, so here's here's the the one that makes no sense. Uh, our okay. final thing from from Kevin, and uh, and this was a great find, is the uh, paper bag monologue from The Wire. Uh, and the video we have that that he pulled up is as uh, a kinetic typography thing. You won't be able to appreciate that unless you do go to the link. But we're gonna go ahead and play it for you here, so you know what we're talking about. Enjoy. Somewhere's. Back in the dawn of time, this district had itself a civic dilemma, epic proportion. The city council had just passed a law that forbid alcoholic consumption in public places, on the streets and on the corners. But the corner is, and it was, and it always will be, the poor man's lounge. It's where a man wants to be on a hot summer's night. It's cheaper than a bar, catch another breezy, watch your girls go by. But the law is a law. The Western cops rolling by, what were they going to do? If they arrested every dude out there for tipping back a high life, there'd be no other time for any other kind of police work. And if they looked the other way, 
that open themselves to all kinds of flaunting, all kinds of disrespect. Now, this is before my time when it happened, but somewhere back in the 50s and 60s, there was a small moment of goddamn genius by some nameless smokehound who comes out to cut rate one day, and on his way to the corner, he slips that just-bought pint of elderberry into a paper bag. A great moment of civic compromise. That small, wrinkled-ass paper bag allowed the corner boys to have their drink in peace and gave us permission to go and do police work. The kind of police work that's actually worth that. Worth actually taking a bullet for. Dozerman, you got shot last night trying to buy three vials. Three! There's never been a paper bag for drugs. Now, I feel like I, I really want to see the scene, though, to, to see exactly what the well, paper bag for drugs is. <laughs> I, I don't know, and and I'm madly, like, avoiding spoilers because I'm in the middle of watching The Wire, and I haven't seen this part yet, and so I'm like, part of me really wants to know, but the rest of me is like, wait for it to actually happen when you're watching the series. <laughs> and feel, like, I already have identified who the character speaking is, and... And that helps me a lot because I know his character, and I really like him. But I'm I'm only two episodes into the second season of The Wire, mm. and thus have to like you know, like I freaked out a little bit at the fact that they said a character's name, and the fact that that character got shot. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> I, I don't know who I, who that person is even at this point, but the fact that I know he's getting shot. Makes me go, oh, I didn't need to know that! Because I've managed to stay relatively spoiler-free, which is especially impressive considering the show is, you know... Five years Two or in? three years old. Oh, okay. I mean, well, it started in 2002, and it lasted five years, so it ended in 2007. Oh, okay. So it's three, at least three years old now. And so I'm like, <gasps> but, uh... So I'm... I'm I'm trying to not like the fact that I know, again, spoilers if you haven't watched the video already, that somebody named Dozerman gets shot. <laughs> I don't know how important this is in relationship to the rest of the series, but honestly, that was the first spoiler I have received for the entire show. Well, and so let's hope it's it's worth the uh, the good discussion that we're right about I to hope have. So. <laughs> So this this monologue is is interesting for a number of reasons. Uh, the, certainly, on the face of it, the level or the um, the incident that he talks about uh, is a good example of the law doing an unjust thing and folks mm-hmm. figuring out a way to to circumvent it. Where even even so, the law enforcers and those upon whom the laws should be enforced are both aware of the injustice of the law. Uh, the enforcers, however, still feel an obligation, in this case he cited kind of social pressure, flaunting and such, uh, to enforce the law. Uh, they have a duty to enforce the law mm-hmm. in, uh, in, with the big L, and they have a duty to enforce this law, little l, uh, yeah. by association, uh, or by inclusion, I guess. Uh, but they, mm-hmm. they both know that it's that it's wrong that it's uh, it's an unjust law that it's really not harming it's, it's anybody not even, it's unjust it's just it's a waste yeah okay. you know, so I'm, unjust in the fact that it, it it is taking away or is making more inefficient the process of in, of enforcing the, the law big L in general yeah you know, it's, it's making it harder for them to to do things like protect the populace because they're spending mm-hmm. all their time doing these this these little bitty uh, these little bitty operations and a little bitty arrests. So, 
I, it's, the, the point, I think, of the, of the monologue was, look, this person figured out a way to, to sort of make it okay for folks to turn the other cheek. All right, well, there wasn't, there's not knowledge of the alcohol if it's inside of a paper bag. It hides that, that fact. It, so it's the, not obvious. It brings, it brings plausible deniability into the equation. Exactly. Which is a huge, huge, hugely important thing uh, in this in these fringe cases. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's let's compare it to to some some other uh, issues that we have going on now. Uh, the open consumption of certain types of illegal drugs like <coughs> marijuana, which I don't know. Have we ever really talked about the marijuana legalization thing on the show before? I feel like um, we've touched on it. We haven't. Uh, we talked about you know brain altering chemicals. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure we're both in favor of legalization. Yeah, Sorry, well, and, and this is one of the big reasons why, uh, and I think a lot of uh, police officers would agree. They spend so much of their time making little bitty arrests, you know, co- going off on on mm-hmm. drug calls about you know, oh, this one guy's smoking pot uh, down here, yeah. or this one guy's selling an eighth or something. Yeah. And they spend yeah, so much I, of their time doing these little bitty, yeah. And so uh, I, I, I really want to know what like this paper bag for trucks things thing is. But <laughs> I can already, I'll tell you like, and I won't give you specific instances, but just in in my experiences with uh, with friends of mine that I've had, uh, there are ways that you can sort of do bring plausible deniability into even the drug thing. Uh, yeah. At you know, at music festivals I've heard of people, you know, you just you smoke and well, it could be tobacco, it could be something else, you know, people smoke <laughs> other things uh and out of many different pipes. It's kind of how uh it's kind of how head shops stay in existence. Well, obviously, we're selling all of this paraphernalia that can be used to smoke a variety of substances. But we're, we're not, not encouraging <laughs> you to do that. It's right. tobacco only. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And they can say that. And every and, head shop in existence will tell you that. <laughs> uh, they they're not going to openly say, "Oh yeah, we sell this this fake uh, Bon Ami container uh, that that just happens to have a hole in it for you to put tobacco in." You know, it's it, you know we you can put whatever you want These inside of it. These are other pipes for tobacco. They are not bonds. <laughs> right. Uh, so it, it brings. I've heard them it, say that. <laughs> Have you ever smoked tobacco through a water pipe? <laughs> no, I stick to like my pipe and the occasional cigar. That's how right. I smoke tobacco. Um, and and I'm pretty sure that most people who get a water pipe don't get it for tobacco, but you could smoke tobacco in it. And uh, you can smoke lots of, you can smoke dried up maple leaves for that matter. <laughs> dried up anything, pretty much. Uh, smoke yeah. lettuce, but I wouldn't recommend it. Um, not from personal experience, but thanks to the Gregory brothers. What, what? Uh, and, and so uh, if I, I can see sort of how maybe he would bring that, the whole paper bag for drugs thing into this. And, and I think it's something that the, the, both the cops, the law enforcement officials, and the, the consumers both want. They understand the, the laws against these certain types of uh, drugs on the, on the, uh, the borderline. Are, uh, are simply kind of stupid, and they cost more for the system. They cost more in terms of lost resources and unenforced actual laws than they are. Well, and they uh, cost a lot in terms of, like, putting money. people in jail for these sorts of things. Yeah, money. Like, the fact uh, that it's once, once you go to jail for a, for possession, which I think you can do eventually, yeah. you, are, you are living off the tax dollar because of a quote-unquote victimless crime, because you had some illicit substance on you, you weren't selling it, you weren't, I don't know what else you would have been using or selling it, but you were, you had it, and now I, as a taxpayer, am paying for your meals every day, and your lodging. And I think we've talked about this before, but it's... Yeah, yeah, and, and it's one of the, the primary things that uh, that John Locke talked about, actually, was um, when he was kind of coming up with this harm principle thing, was, look, it, the government's job is not to protect people from themselves. Uh, if folks want to harm themselves, that's up to them. That's their right, you know. 
it is my right to do yeah. whatever I want with my own body and my own possessions. Uh, and it is not the government's job to step in and uh, patronize and, and try to act as, uh, it, we called it paternalism, uh, acting yeah. as, a, as a father figure to, to the population. And it's exactly what these laws are. Uh, the, the no and alcohol. To be fair, uh, the, the idea of, of making these sorts of things illegal is the, the fear, if you will, that while on an illicit substance, they will do something that hurts another person. <laughs> and in my opinion, those things should be illegal. The things yes. where you do something really stupid that messes up somebody else's life should be illegal. Which is, I even totally support. Means, even if it just means that like it's indirect and that you sit on your couch all day and smoke pot, have a wife and three kids, and cause them to starve because of it, not necessarily die, but you know, neglect your family and responsibilities, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why I totally support laws against... Do anything. What do you support laws against? Sorry. Uh, and then that's why I totally support laws against drinking and driving, um, mm -hmm. because it, it scientifically, provably impairs your ability to drive, and you are in a position where you could be harming other people. And that's and sure. Locke totally made that exception. He said the government should only intervene in cases where you might harm someone else uh, by and your it's actions. Like it's, 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 it's a distinction as opposed to what, where is the line for might harm someone else. Yeah, yeah, it's sometimes not as clear-cut, and that's... And it's a trick decision. Because, yeah, and, and you never know what you're going to do on drugs, is <laughs> the thing. Uh, so you might not intend uh, to, to do any harm by ingesting a substance, but uh, as so brilliantly articulated in the, uh, in the film Reefer Madness, uh, recently riffed by Rift Tracks Live... I totally missed it, makes me sad and angry. It was a good experience, but uh, the film was, sure. was crazy. It, it was, it's like, made in the 1930s, about marijuana, and yeah. it's, it's basically characterizing marijuana as this, this new menace to the, uh, to the teen population of America. And, uh, as it well is. Oh, and, and it shows this, the, the, one of the big, uh, big scenes is, like, the guy, the guy hops in a car after, uh, after getting high and, like, drives over a guy and just keeps driving. Uh, you know, he, he gets up later and he's like, oh my god, what did I do? And then goes to jail and all this. Uh, one, one guy <laughs> shoots another guy while he's in this, like, crazed, demented weed rage or something. <laughs> um, it's, it's just, it's so ridiculous and unscientific and, and uh, fear-mongering of a movie, but uh, it makes for good riffing. Yeah. But unfortunately, a lot yeah. of those ideas about marijuana are still around in our culture. I mean, it just, it astounds me that, that all this misinformation has just permeated the, uh, the folk consciousness um, to the point where I, I, mean, sure. I still hear people repeating having, these arguments. See, having never actually smoked marijuana in my life, I can honestly say that, I'm, I'm under the impression that all it does is make you lazy. I mean, yes, there's, there's the psychological implications that you see shapes or ear colors or whatever. Well, not even that. Um, I mean, I, I can I can quote you papers that that talk in detail about the observed effects. And it, granted, it is different for for different people, but um, generally the the it effects makes you are. Sit on the couch and do nothing. Well, it depends on the type. Uh, I mean, there are as many varieties of weed as there are of alcohol. Uh, probably fewer. Sure. But, uh, there are varieties, and they do different things. Some yeah. are some are uppers, some are downers. Uh, you know, some yeah. if you want to get up and dance. It's ever considered an effort. <laughs> it, it, it's, I think, biologically speaking, it's a downer. It is. Anyways, certainly not as dangerous, even close to as dangerous as alcohol, uh, for, for many, many scientifically verifiable reasons. Uh, and so, for, for law enforcement officials to have to worry about uh, folks doing something uh, on the drug, harming others, uh, is just kind of ludicrous. And, uh, I hope we, uh, we eventually come to a realization that there are objective ways of testing these laws and, uh, and showing which ones are superfluous and which ones aren't. But, yeah. There are many other arguments and we won't make them today, but it's, it's just interesting that, uh, that we can kind of wrap up with this little discussion of injustice. What I want to know what the thing is. The paper bag for 
subscribe. I know. To. I want to. I want to know. But I too. can't until I get to that part of the wire. It's probably so. just some form of of, uh, of bringing in plausible deniability. Doesn't matter. I just I need to know. You can probably find the scene, dude. On, on I probably could. Not the point. I have to watch <laughs> the wire order, man. You have to get the whole series. It's a good show. I bought the whole series. I own the whole series. As well as the whole series of many other shows, including Alias, Angel, Arrested Development, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Clark's the Cartoon, Firefly, Futurama, How I Met Your Mother, Monty yeah, Python's Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we get it. We get it. Start up generation. No, 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 we're, we get it. We get it, dude. You're obsessed. The You're X-Files. Obsessed. Kevin? Those are the only shows I own complete seasons Ke- Kevin, we're, we're all impressed. Yeah, can, I know. Can I'm we wrap the show up now? Anyway, okay, let's let's finish the show. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, any final thoughts you have on this subject, Kevin, or uh, can we go ahead and... Uh... Nah, I think we're good. Let's just wrap it up. Okay. Uh, we'll cut it right here. Bye, everybody. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm never going to end a show. ending ever. <laughs> I'm never going to end a show that, that abruptly. Uh, okay, so Kevin, where can, uh, where can folks find you and all of your uh, your wily fantasies posted on the internet <laughs> uh, well I myself am at twitter.com slash kevsons but I might as well give a shout out to two of my favorite twitter accounts um, which are twitter.com slash jeffy mac uh, that's jeff mckenzie <laughs> oh yeah I love that guy, guy. Um, I don't know what he does for a living <laughs> he amuses me he lives out in Lubbock um and then also a colleague of mine, Mr. K. Saunders, twitter.com slash MRK Saunders, um, who you might assume is related to me because we have the same initials and same mm-hmm. last name. But I don't know why you would make that assumption. No, that's, uh, that's completely who certainly began, who, who has recently begun teaching again after a brief year-long uh, hiatus. Okay. Well, definitely check out those Twitter accounts, folks. And uh, if you're looking for another one to add to your follow list... Add twitter.com slash s-torrents, because that's me, S-T-O-R-R-E-N-C-E. Uh, I will occasionally tweet about cool stuff that happens at the Apple Store, because I'm now working there, officially. Yeah, I'm started. I got my t-shirt. I'm official. And, uh, and I sold a MacBook Pro to a lawyer today, and it was a wonderful experience. You can also follow the show and get uh, updates on new episodes, and uh, occasionally when we call for uh, folks to be on the show or articles to have on the show, that's twitter.com slash badphilosophy. And uh, I don't know, if you want to go by Formspring, maybe I should set up a Formspring account for the show, see what kind of questions If you do, I want, in, I want access to it. So oh, I'll, I can I'll make sure we can both too. have access. Yeah, t- <laughs> tell you what, I'll set that up. It'll be, uh, if I can get it, formspring.com slash badphilosophy. So go there too once it's created in the future. <laughs> well, thank you all for listening. Uh, you know, do whatever you want. Put it in a brown paper bag and uh, smile till the cows come home. We'll see you next time on Bad Philosophy. So that was pretty cool. Uh, it, it's well, it's neater. It. What? I was gonna play it live and like rewatch it to remind myself of what was going on. Oh, so you okay. Just the fake pause thing of where you put it in in the editing bay, and I haven't actually watched it yet. You haven't watched it? Well, I have, but it was like three or four days ago. Oh, okay. I well, wanted to rewatch. Well, okay. I, all right. All right. We'll do it. We'll do an actual pause now. Okay. <laughs> all right. Are you ready? Okay. We'll, we'll pre- press play in in three, two, one, play.
philosophy.com. I'm pretty sure he was wearing my used underwear.